the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. Welcome once more to another exciting broadcast of the Four Horsemen. And here with us around the table, we have Adam Black, pastor of Westwood Baptist Church. We have Derek McCarson, just down the road from us, our sister church, Liberty Baptist Church. We have, across the county line into beautiful Haywood County, Benjamin Kerfman of the Barberville Baptist Church, and I'm hosting this segment, Dennis Thurman, senior pastor of Pole Creek Baptist Church. Not Pole Cat, but Pole Creek right here in the metropolis, the Twin Cities, Inca Camler. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. You know, here we are, 2019. By the way, I haven't seen you guys since last year. Oh, here we go. Oh, oh man, he came loaded awesome today to with dad jokes. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> I've already dropped them on the kids. <laughs> and the church family Sundays, and that's your turn. So anyway, speaking of turning, we've turned the calendar from 2018 to 2019, and I think it's a great opportunity for us fellas in this segment to discuss uh, kind of where we are as the people of God in our ministries and where the church needs to go in this new year. It's a ready-made time for us to stop and reflect and look forward to what God has for us. And I was also thinking about those strategic leadership principles of the book of Nehemiah. You know, the whole Bible is a great book on leadership, but in that sacred library, if you wanted to just lift out a section, I think Nehemiah would uh, be superlative in terms of the leadership principles it provides. I will not do an entire exposition of the book, which you'll be very thankful for. But just a couple of things I want to point out to you is that uh, the old boy begins with prayer. In fact, the whole book saturated with prayer. Half the chapters in the book basically mention prayer. So when we think about where God wants us to go, uh, if we're not a praying people and we're not in tune with him, if it's just our agenda, our thoughts, our vision, our dreams, it's not worth trying to implement. We need to listen to God, get in on his agenda. Nehemiah did that and it changed everything. And then, of course, uh, perception. Uh, you know, when he comes to Jerusalem, the first thing he does before he tells anybody what's going on, before he shares, before he starts a project, is he goes out to see what's going on in the the darkness of the night, he goes out and with a fine-toothed comb, uh, goes over all the ruins of Jerusalem, looking at everything to get a, a clear, compelling vision in his mind about what needs to happen. And then based on that, he makes preparation. Uh, he thinks through a process. And so as, as I invite you guys to join me in that discussion, you know, some people may think it's not very spiritual to prepare to do certain things and carry out certain projects and, and programming and so forth. But I think it's in, immensely biblical, and we see Nehemiah doing that. And then out of that preparation, there was partnership. He gets other people to buy in. He starts with the key leaders of the tribes. He begins to share. And as they do that, then uh, he's able to accomplish things that even as great a champion as he was, he could never do himself. But he had other people involved with him. And there was then the need for perseverance. I mean, 
you try to do something for God in 2019, you know what's going to happen. You're going to run head on into the devil. Uh, if you're going places with God and you say, let's rise and build, Satan will say, let us rise and oppose. <laughs> and so you can count on that. So you have to have endurance. Then there's practicality. There were many things that we find that Nehemiah did in a very practical sense uh, to make the projects go forward. Uh, then there was praise. There was a, a religious revival. There's a spiritual movement that happened, a great worship time in which they honored God for what he had done. They gave him the glory, which also, I think, is an element that we can talk about because uh, if we're not careful, it becomes about me. It becomes a focus on the guy in the pulpit or the name of the church instead of the name of Jesus. So we find Nehemiah always pointing to God and honoring him. And then, of course, uh, if the devil uh, cannot uh, stop the work by woodpeckers on the outside, he'll put termites on the inside. <laughs> and so th- there was the need for purity. As the, as we know at the end of the book, there were several issues among the people of God where they had uh, compromised their convictions. And, and I think we'll come to that place. When we begin to move forward uh, in the things of God, uh, there's going to be that temptation to kind of bend a little bit, fudge a little bit, not to upset the apple cart. And the Nehemiah had to face that, and the way he did it, he hit it head on. So there you go. If you guys want to take that and preach it, just send me a, a check for the royalties and so forth. So I'll give you uh, a uh, uh, <laughs> credit in the yes I'm, we present. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. So anyways, let's talk a little bit about where you see your ministry and kind of what you're thinking about in terms of, of where God may be leading. And, um, you know, talk about the whole process of goal setting. How do you how do you do this in a very practical way uh, to implement those things? If you if you do agree that that's spiritual to do that, who'd like to first crack at that? Tell me. Tell well, me I'm, I'm actually preaching through Nehemiah, so I think you actually stole that from me. But um, anyway, um, but as far as setting goals and stuff like that, um, I think it's absolutely necessary Um but I think one of the beginning things that you have to do, as Nehemiah did, is um, you have to feel that there is a need. Um, you can say, we want to do this, we want to do this, but if there's not a need, if it's not needed, then there's no real purpose in doing it. But Nehemiah felt the need um, when his brothers come and told him that Jerusalem had fallen and all his people had been dispersed. It said that he mourned and fasted mm. and prayed for mm-hmm. days. He felt the need and it spurned him to action. And so, um, but then we know he went and evaluated, um, the, um, the, the walls and, and evaluated that whole situation. But, and I say all that because I think you have to really always take a, a self-awareness of where you are spiritually. Um, what are the areas that I need to improve on? And I think the way that God really reveals that to me personally is what you begin with is prayer. You know, God, show me the areas of my life that I need to turn over to you. Um, and um, so I think you've got to do really a self-evaluation and, and do that by prayer and getting in, into the word because the Bible is like a mirror. And um, so um, once you've evaluated what is needed, um, then you can begin to set some goals and set some to begin to develop some discipline to help you get to those goals and but um, yeah, absolutely. I think goal setting is yeah. So, so let let me interrupt you then, Adam. So in that whole process, as a leader, 
uh, what do you believe is your strategic role to help move that along, that that evaluation process and 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 setting those goals? What do you have to do to make that happen? Well, for I mean, for me personally, is once you evaluate what the need is, and then you've got to I think find as Nehemiah did find people that will help you accomplish that people okay. who are gifted in, in particular areas that maybe you're not gifted in and um, help get them to help you get to where you are trying to go. And um, so that's what I would say about that. That's a good point, Adam. And let me piggyback off some of your comments. Um, last, well, no, two years ago, I preached through Nehemiah and I found it to be an incredibly practical book, but also, very inspirational um, because as I was studying it, not only was God doing a work in my heart, but he was also opening my eyes to some of the revitalization work that we needed to do in our church. And so um, what I saw in Nehemiah was uh, totally a book about revitalization. First off, there's a spiritual component to it. Absolutely. Uh, You have to be revitalized by the Spirit of God on the inside, as Adam said, feel the need. But then there's also a ministry component to it. Um, if you study the book of Nehemiah, you find out that the people returned to the Word of God. They had neglected mm-hmm. to be obedient to the Word of God. And so there's a ministry component, too, uh, where you look at the, your ministry systems within your church, and you have to say, all right, what's effective? Uh, what are, where are we failing? Uh, what can we do better at? Uh, what do we need to add? And then there's also a physical component to the revitalization effort where you actually look at your property like Nehemiah did with the walls. Uh, You look at your building and you go through that checklist of how can we be um, better in terms of our presentation of the community um, and those kinds of things. Um, But as I return back to the comments that uh, Adam was making on revitalization and on uh, being the leader, I think uh, an incredible part of that is not only surrounding yourself with the right people, but you have to, as a leader, help people along and you have to give them a vision. You have to uh, help them see the need for change because in many church settings where revitalization is needed in ministry, you have people who have been at that church for years and years and years and they've become very familiar with things, and they don't have eyes to see the things that you see. And so as a leader, uh, you have to move people along to help them to see the need, uh, give them new eyes, give them a fresh vision of what your potential is, where you need to go, and also the groundwork for how you're going to get there. And um, really that's kind of a... Uh, nutshell of my ministry in the past uh, year, moving our church in the direction of revitalization. I know that uh, a big part of that battle was uh, helping people to see the need for that. Amen. So in Nehemiah, you've got in the early chapters, you've got the reconstruction of the wall. And then in the later chapters, we you've got the reinstruction from the word. And, and both of those, it's like two uh, tracks that a train's moving on. Uh, you have that understanding that these are things that we need to do to be obedient to God uh, in that practical sense, but then also unless infused by the power of God and for the glory of God and, uh, and according to the word of God, then all is, all is vain. It's going to be derailed, and uh, it probably should be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also, and in, in Ben, I'd like for you to address this. It, when you begin to evaluate things and look at where you are, take inventory in the life of the church, what, what's some of the dangers that, that might come from that uh, as you look back? I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking... Um, is it easy for people to look at the magnitude of the task uh, and all that's in the lack of resources and, and for it to be uh, an overwhelmingly depressing thing that, that really holds them back from, uh, from that kingdom agenda? Have you, have you had to deal with some of that? And if so, how do you overcome that? I don't know that I have. <laughs> um, that you haven't had to deal with or you haven't been able to overcome it? <laughs> which, which one? I'm still not sure I understand. Well, I, Maybe me, I just haven't had enough coffee today. I don't know. For me, like, I understand what you're saying in the sense of like when, when I got to Westwood. You know, it was where I wanted to be. I, I knew God had brought me there. But when I looked at the condition of the church and where it was, um, it was a task that I'm like, God, I like it was literally like, I can't do this. But I think that's where God wanted me to make me realize that I couldn't do it. But, you know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. So been able to see not really on much that I've done, um, but being able to see God move in, in even small ways, just the simplest things. Um, having somebody come in that knows how to run sound or do a computer or, or greet or make coffee, just the simplest things. And then that begins to build. Um, and, and I mentioned to you guys the other day that, you know, uh, the past two weeks has been really discouraging because I'm like, we're not getting there fast enough. So I think in, in where it could hurt you in a goal setting mindset is, well, I'm not getting there fast enough. And I think, especially in ministry, we're on God's time <laughs> and not my own. And that's not, that's something that I don't like. I'm being honest. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do it on my time. I want things to happen the way I want it to happen. Um, and so I think that can be a, a detriment in, in having goals, no matter how lofty they are, is that you are on God's time. God is, you know, in control. And if you try to force some things, that's when things can get reckless. Yeah, I think in a, in a personal way, I guess, is what I'm thinking about how, you know, as leaders, we should be able to see farther down the road than other people can, because that's why we're in that position. But but in bringing them along, uh, you know, how do we do that in a way that we don't become bitter, angry, uh, start trying to shove them instead of leading them? Uh, I think it's fraught with peril. Well, I would add to that another challenge that you're going to face um, is moving people from fear to faith. Mm-hmm. I find that when you're trying to create change or trying to do anything in leadership, um, most people are fearful of change. They're fearful of the unknown. They're fearful of the circumstances. And you hear all the excuses. We don't have enough resources. We're not so-and-so church down the road who has the big budget. Um, We don't have the talent. Um, And on and on and on the excuses go. But really, all that is based out of fear. Mm -hmm. And that's what the enemy wants to do is he wants to beat us down and he wants to keep us paralyzed so that we don't fulfill the Great Commission, so that we don't take great steps of faith where we have to rely upon God. And so... A big portion of the leader's energy and time is going to be spent moving people out of that fear 
or to use the expression, um, you know, if you want to walk on water, you got to step out of the boat. You got to get out of your comfort zone and take a risk and take a chance because if you don't do that, you're going to slowly die. And uh, so what do you have to lose? You're either going to sl- die slow and painful death, or you can begin to take baby steps of faith, trust God in new areas and new ways that you haven't before. And as you do that, you're going to see God do some amazing things. But again, baby steps. Um, take the low-hanging fruit. What can you change now? What can you do that's going to be like a low cost or a low risk? And then gradually build up that momentum and tackle bigger projects as you go along. You have to break it down in different phases, just like Nehemiah did. Well, and it's, Nehemiah said that when he went to talk to the king right off the bat, what does it say? Uh, then I was very much afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah. he could have, the king could have killed him. Fear is your greatest enemy. Well, in and, this. and you know, faith is not necessarily the absence of fear. It is coming to grips with it and rising above it, pushing through. Uh, that that fear and trusting in God uh, taking hold of the promises. And that's what he does. You know, he sends up an emergency flare <laughs> to God at that point, uh, asking the Lord to help him and bless him. Uh, for I was the king's cupbearer. And you don't go in in a sad state to the king or it's off with his head. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so when anyway. you're expendable. Yes. It's not a good position to be in. <laughs> yeah, except that, uh, of course, he had the Lord uh, on his side, right. and I think that's that's sufficient. So so have you, um, in, in a very uh, systematic way, you, you said you start with the need, you look at the need, and then based on that, here's practical steps to, to meet the need. Um, what I like to do is I like to begin with the goal, whatever that might be, I believe God's leading. So you start at the end, okay, and and look at that, and then start working your way back, okay? So if this is where we want to go, what steps are going to have to be taken to get there? And, and you're going to look at a timeline, okay, what needs to happen when. Uh, you're going to look at human resources, what people need to be involved. You have, of course, you know, that sound real spiritual, but you got to look at financial resources as well, or what needs to be done in, in those cases. And so you kind of work your way back to the, the launch point. And then I think it's very important, and Derek, you kind of hit this, all along the way, every time there's a, even the slightest advance, you celebrate. Absolutely. You, you tell everybody it's a hallelujah time. you got to be your biggest cheerleader a yeah. lot of times and, and remind people constantly of the victories that God has given you. That's one thing you notice in the book of Joshua when you study mm-hmm. it is every time they're building a monument dedicating oh, yeah. to a victory that God gave them. And we have to do that, too, as a people, uh, remind people, hey, look, look at what God did in our midst. Look at where we were. We were across the Jordan. But now look where we are and what God's given us. Mm-hmm. I think a key, too, in that same regard, is that's why it's important to get other people involved. And you not trying to do everything. Yeah, because then you will be defeated. You will be defeated. And then your celebration, what are you going to be celebrating? Look what I did. But if you get everybody involved and you really build that up, um, you know, but if you can find the lane that you run in and stay in it and do the very best and find everybody else to run in their lane. And when it all works and it it is something to celebrate and everybody notices it. Everybody sees it. Everybody knows that it's, you know, we've accomplished something. Right. Well, there's, it's a clear focus that you have to have. Um, 
and, and you've got to just have that tunnel vision and, and not be distracted. One of the things that the enemy tried to do is is they would send word to Nehemiah, come on over here, let's talk a little bit. You know? yeah. and, and Look at that know, wall. A fox could jump over yeah, that thing. Yeah. Discouragement. The parking you know, lot meetings. Yeah, the, the negative <laughs> things that were said. Yeah, yeah. So, Those anonymous letters that show up on your desk. Yes, yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> We've been telling the king what you've been up to, you know. So um, all of those things, if, if you haven't read through that book lately, I think it'd be a great study for you to do uh, in this month of January uh, and let God speak to your heart uh, about that. Uh, so. Give me some uh, give me some victories that you uh, have experienced this past year. What's what's some wins that you had, and and tell me a little bit of testimony about how God uh, enabled you to experience that. Well, I can tell you that one thing that we tried to focus on a lot this year in our church was a deluge of outreach. Um, being more outwardly focused in our ministry, trying to reach the un- like unchurched, deluge, unsaved. I've heard that from Tom I was Rainer, say, somebody's Scrappy Church. Scrappy if you haven't read Google that book, it. get it. It's an excellent book. Yes. I gave y'all that book. Thank mm-hmm. you, yes, uh, Pastor Dennis. <laughs> but uh, we really focused and tried to be creative in some of the outreaches that we did. I mean, obviously, we have the staples. You have VBS, and you're going to do, you know, homecoming, and you're going to have your singings and things like that if you're in a traditional Southern Baptist church like me. But also uh, trying new things like movies. Uh, you know, Adam Church did a outdoor movie. Uh, we tried a basketball camp, which had a great turnout. Um, happy birthday, Jesus party around Christmas. And it's been amazing to see that how anytime we stepped out and tried to do something new and different, yeah, there were naysayers and there were people who were like, we don't have the money, you know, this isn't in the budget, or we've never done this before. But at the same time as we went about doing those things because we believed that God was going to bless it, uh, we saw people come to Christ. We saw families come to visit the church who otherwise would have never been reached had they not known about the event that we were doing. Um, just this past uh, couple Sundays ago, on the last Sunday of 2018, got to baptize a lady who came to an event that we had, heard the gospel, uh, made a profession of Praise faith. The Lord. And so it's just very evident to me uh, that, uh, like the old saying goes, we can either evangelize or we can fossilize. And when you're out doing things and you're busy and you're trying to reach people for Christ, I believe God will add His blessings. It may not be you know, the floodgates may not open and, you know, it's not going to be like a Billy Graham crusade where you have hundreds of people coming, but a, a steady trickle to two here, three here, a one family here. And you see God's faithfulness and God's provision um, in bringing people to the church. Amen. Somebody else share a, uh, a victory for me. I mean, this where the church was a year ago <clears throat> to where it is now. Is nothing but a, a God thing. Um, the church was um, was divided. Um, it was you could cut the tension with a knife when you went in there. Felt like I was going to war every time I walked in the door. Uh, you were, yeah, <laughs> and still are. <laughs> yes, but uh, to see how God has <clears throat> unified people's hearts uh, to become uh, like a family. Um, we've. 
It chokes me up too, brother. <laughs> Golly, bro. Help him, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. Uh, okay. Um, but about the family, I've, the church hadn't baptized anybody in years, and we've baptized five this year. Five people from Christ, and we've baptized them, um, and we've been growing. People are coming out of nowhere, um, and um, it's just been just the simplest things is what's you know um, the simple things that have occurred. And like for example, our our top level, our main level, um, there was only two available rooms, and one of the things I was hoping for is that we could clear out some of the rooms. And um, when I got there, I started Sunday school, which they didn't have Sunday school. And so now we've got, we call it life groups. we got three life groups going now, and we've cleared out all the main level uh, rooms for use for discipleship and things like that. So it's just like simple things like that has been um, little victories. You know, I want to brag on them. You know, they haven't done Lottie Moon in a couple of years. And so I wanted us to get back into doing Lottie Moon and being missional. And, and Lottie Moon, for the benefit of those who aren't your staunch Southern Baptist, which you is should be. What? Calvinist. It's, yeah. Money that goes directly towards to the missionaries in the field right. through the IMB. Yeah. International Mission Board. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I said, I told my mom, I said, you know, I'm going to set $500 goal. You know, and she goes, that ain't enough. I was like, oh, I think it is. And, and we raised close to $1,400. Amen. Wow. So, I mean, and, and some people may hear that like, wow, we, that was what we took one week. But, man, that was a really big deal. Right. Man, we really celebrated that, you know, and our folks really, um, we've helped sponsor two mission trips now. Um, you know, I, like I said, to see where the church was and, and where God has taken us. And I, I literally, I can't take any of the credit because it's like God has done it. And so um, I just... I told him this past Sunday, I just stood up there and was just praising God for what he had done, you know, and then you get discouraged. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've had nothing, but, uh, thank you, Lord. Now, if you'd asked me this last year, I probably couldn't have said a whole lot, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a great year. Amen. Benjamin, any victories, any advances in the kingdom? Yeah. Um, we were able to, to baptize. A few people last year. I have two baptisms coming up Sunday. Amen. Uh, one of them is a family member, which I'm excited about. Um, another one's a guy I've been talking with about baptism for over a year, and uh, he's very excited to do that. He's one of our listeners on the podcast, um, and so I'm very excited to do that uh, and see those. Um, I mean, I think there's all kinds of little wins, you know. I mean, even like what you were saying, Adam, stuff that you know. Some people may not consider it, but when you're in the middle of it, you got to notice the the good victories, you know. And a lot of that is just conversation. You know, it might not be, uh, oh, this person got just radically transformed and had Damascus Road experience, but it might be that person that's been a pew sitter for, you know, ten years that all of a sudden started coming to a small group or a Sunday school class, or, um, you know, I think just in the last year I can think of examples like an older lady in our church who doesn't have great health and, and um, you know, had trouble even getting to church to seeing her staying late after service and sitting in a sanctuary with young couples and teaching them apologetics, you know, um, that I didn't even know that she knew, you know, and uh, things like that. Um, 
we had one guy get baptized and joined. Um, he's actually my brother-in-law um, last year, and the amount of spiritual growth that he's had in a year is just unbelievable. I told him Sunday, I think he's probably outread me at this point. I don't even really know how to pastor him anymore um, because he is just has this insatiable appetite to study and read. That's awesome. And, um, his wife tells me, you know, it's like I married a different man. You know, I, I don't even, uh, I don't even know what to do. And so you hear things like that. And to me, those are big wins, you know, um, when you see people every week and, and when you can noticeably tell over a period of just a few weeks that people are, are legitimately growing in Christ. Um, and I think, um, a big win for us last year was, um, we cast vision for remodeling a children's area. Our, our education building was built brand new with uh, basically no children's area. There was no expectation of children. And um, in the process of that, we went and asked the church for um, for some money uh, out of savings to be able to remodel that and make it make a good, safe place for children. And uh, the church uh, actually gave us more money than what we asked for. Um, people came and volunteered. They helped. Um, just even then I was just telling somebody today, I feel like because we've been faithful through some battles, there's some trust that's built there now. And now like our meetings are things that I look forward to because the members trust that we love them and we want to do what's best for the church. And so they're, they're cooperative and that, uh, the questions and things that come up now are not accusatory or difficult. It's just trying to understand or trying to be on board with what's going on. And, and, um, I'm just, I'm really thankful for that. You know, just the, I guess culture, just the church culture, you know, and we have our challenges like everybody else does. There's sure. always challenges. Um, but, but there's a lot to be thankful for too. Well, I, I just think, um, you know, it's a real danger for pastors out there to just kind of get into a rut, um, you know, the routine of what they're accustomed to do and not push out beyond the boundaries of their own comfort zone. And when we stop growing ourselves, and I know in another segment, uh, Ben's going to talk about our own personal spiritual development. But if we get in that place where we just settle in, we quit reading, we quit uh, really praying, other than just the perfunctory stuff, you know, it, it holds back everything. We, we become the dam that holds back this river that God wants to flow. The law of the lid. That's the law of the lid. John Maxwell, <laughs> that's exactly right. And, uh, and, but it's absolutely true. And so I've got to be, have a kind of a holy dissatisfaction in my own life. I've got to want my leadership to develop. So those of you that are listening out there today, I'm not trying to say we've got it all figured out and we have all the answers and that we're setting the woods on fire. But what I am trying to say is that the four men in this room, we're concerned about the day that we stand before the Lord Jesus. And we have to give an account, not just for ourselves, but for the flock that we that we lead. And we want to be faithful and then God will make us fruitful in to whatever measure he sees uh, fit. So I'll share a little quick one in uh, you know, kind of winding things up. We had several projects that uh, needed to be done. None of them were tremendously expensive, but when you put them all together, they were quite expensive. And I was just going to be candid with you. I did not want to do another uh, capital stewardship campaign. I, absolutely. I, this would be my fourth one here. 
and it takes a toll on you. <laughs> and I just really didn't want to do one. But it was one of those things that, like you said, Adam, the need was there. And so I said to myself, uh, you know, what does God want me to do? And that's always a dangerous question because <laughs> it's usually something you don't want to do. <laughs> and so we embarked on that. And uh, so we talked to the leadership several months ago about what needed to be done, the projects that were there, how much money we would need. We kind of got buy-in from those key leaders. And then I found a lady in our church who um, just had great capacity to, to help, you know, be a focal person uh, in this to where I wasn't having to do it all myself. And so uh, we planned prayer meetings where we got people together uh, to talk about that. We had some pieces of material that we shared with the church with some pictures and slides and things to kind of help them visualize what we wanted to do. I had a three-part sermon series. Uh, we had a steering team that was kind of guiding us through this whole thing that we that we put together. And so it became a real team effort. And then we had several celebration times. Uh, we asked some people to make some commitments up front so that uh, when I got up on the Sunday morning, we we're going to have the church-wide appeal. We were able to say, here's how much has already been you know, uh, committed over a three-year period of time. And, you know, it was just phenomenal. It went far beyond anything I expected. You know, we we talked about trying to reach $600,000 worth of commitments, and we're sitting past 700000 And, um, you know, already we've taken in close to these last few month or so since we started the campaign. Uh, the giving didn't actually start till January. We already got, you know, about seventy. $80,000 sitting in the bank toward that end. That's above our regular wow. offerings. We've met our Lottie Moon goal because you'd say, well, this is a terrible time to do it because people <laughs> are not going to give. They're going to channel from one place that no. They, they just, old Adrian Rogers said, the more people give, the more they give. Of course, he said it more like, the more they give, the more <laughs> they give. But anyway, <laughs> but we found it to be true. And it's just one of those things, you know, God also, the, the harmony in the church, the spiritual dimension of people's commitment where your treasure is your heart will be also and so we've seen that as well it's not just about bricks and mortar and about doing those those kinds of, of things so i just want to thank the lord that sometimes he pushes us you know prods our heart to do things if we will if we will listen and uh you know if i can lead an effort like that then anybody out there can do it if you'll just be attentive to to god so um you know, as you listen to the podcast, we have a Facebook page and you have the means of contacting us publicly or privately. And uh, we're always glad to respond to that. If we can encourage you, if we can pray with you, if we can share anything uh, practically to help you, uh, please let us know. And, um, you know, uh, we'll be glad to glad to do that. So it's 2019. So let's get out there and make it a great year as we serve Jesus for His glory. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bash the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.